Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris from PleasureMechanics.com, and on this podcast, we have honest, explicit conversations about sex, pleasure, joy, and connection. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com, where you will find all of the resources we have been lovingly creating for you since 2006, so you can explore more pleasure, joy, and intimacy on your terms at your own pace. If you are new to the show, go to pleasuremechanics.com slash free and get started with our free online course. If you've been with us for a while and want to dive deeper, go to pleasuremechanics.com slash love. On today's episode, episode 420 of the Speaking of Sex podcast, we are in conversation with our friend Shango Los. Shango is the founder and host of the Shaping Fire podcast and a rich source of insight and wisdom about cannabis, marijuana, this plant that has had a pleasurable relationship with us humans for tens of thousands of years, a plant that brings remedy and relief to so many and joy and pleasure to so many others for some of us both at the same time, right? And this plant is growing in cultural consciousness as it gets legalized recreationally and medically across the country and around the world. And so no matter what your current relationship with marijuana and cannabis might be, you might be in love with it already, as I am, you might have kind of a gentle curiosity, a remembrance of it from a different time in your life, or maybe even an aversion or a turnoff to it. That's okay too. I invite you into this episode with an open heart and a curious mind, and let's see what comes up for you. Big thanks to Shangolos for joining us for this rich conversation. You will find links galore in the show notes, not only to continue the conversation with Shango on his podcast, but also Shango has generously provided us with a lot of curated links so you can find resources, information, and guidance on continuing to develop your relationship with cannabis, whatever that might look like. You'll also find a link to a conversation that Shango and I had a few years ago about coming home to pleasure with chronic illness, after an injury, with pain. How can we return to pleasure while living with these conditions? You will find a link to that conversation and so much more in the show notes to this episode. Big thanks to Shango for his generosity in this conversation. We hope you enjoy it and cheers. Shango Los, welcome to Speaking of Sex. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Mm -hmm. Can you please introduce yourself to our audience and how you came to be the host of a cannabis podcast? Sure. Uh, my name is Shango Los. I am founder and host of the Shaping Fire podcast. It, it is a cannabis uh, podcast, but doesn't focus on the cannabis industry. Um, we focus on on the plant itself and our use and interaction with the plant, um, You know how to cultivate simple strategies for making hash and uh, using the plant very specifically for different ailments as, as medicine. Um, 
how I got to this point, I was very active in the medical cannabis market before the transition to licensed sales. Um, I, I have only the best uh, uh, hopes for those in the licensed market, but it wasn't really for me. I was much more focused on patients. So when everybody kind of pivoted to you know, the commodification of cannabis, I turned and, um, and started working with uh, patients and doing patient outreach uh, even more. And I found that trying to talk with one person at a time, while very rewarding in terms of connection, um, mm -hmm. it wasn't as uh, rewarding as being able to reach more people. And mm -hmm. so I realized that, that if I did a podcast in the same kind of authentic way that I like to talk with patients, um, that I would be able to reach thousands of people who could benefit from, from what we've learned instead of just one person at a time. And so I went in that direction and I don't, I don't really do one-on-one -on -one stuff anymore, but, but I, take the, I take everything that I've learned from working with patients and uh, and do different themed shows with you know some of the top um, minds in the industry and and you know we're we're here in our fourth year and um, the show's going really well. Um, Can you drop us into the plant of cannabis itself? Like we've been hearing a lot about cannabis as it's been legalized state to state over the past decade or so, but it's an ancient plant that's been with us humans for thousands of years. Can you just introduce folks to cannabis, the plant that goes by so many names? Sure. So um, I would say a good thumbnail is that the, the, the cannabis plant and humans have been in relationship for tens of thousands of years. And as we moved around nomadically, we would take our best seeds from the place we had been and take them with us to the new place. And so by us choosing the plants that we most preferred, we were choosing plants that seemed to have the most symbiotic relationship with us as humans. And, um, you know, while there's, there's not lots of records, um, you know, back in prehistory times. Um, you know, I've had historians on my show like Dr. Sunil Agarwal explaining how we believe from studying caves that um, what early humans did was cut down the whole bush and put it on their campfires and then attention essentially <laughs> a box like the cave and so oh, they, would yes. burn, they would burn right they would they would burn these uh burn the mm. big plants in it and then everyone would get high at the same time and as you can imagine even with the lower thc levels they probably mm. had back in the day it was still a pretty significant dose of thc and so people would have you know mystical experiences and together and, together as a as a community very very bonding and and as we know and we'll talk about later i'm sure mm -hmm. there's a lot of bonding around cannabis pipes even today it's a very bonding experience mm -hmm. yeah i wanted to bring you on because not only are you one of the greatest minds on cannabis itself but you are a mind that thinks about pleasure and joy and connection the themes of our show so can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship with pleasure and how it's kind of interacted with this plant over your lifetime? Um, sure. Well, I, I would say that um, when I first started using cannabis, I didn't have a great sense of pleasure itself because mm. I really didn't understand the ideas of pleasure until I was um, in the in the second half of college, and I got turned on to cannabis my freshman year. As odd as as funny as it is, I got I learned how to smoke cannabis 
during the first season of The Simpsons. And so that's a really interesting marker in time. And so I would go over to my friends, Debbie and Joni's dorm room, and they would take their showers and, and get ready to go out for the night. And then I would sit with these two beautiful women in their dorm room while they were wrapped in towels with wet hair, and they would get me high and we'd watch The Simpsons. Hell yes. And I'm all like, this is a nice drug. I like this, right? <laughs> And, and so that, so, but it was throughout the rest of college mm. that I got turned on to, you know, eroticism by reading Anais Nin and the movie Henry and June, um, came out around that time. And my girlfriend at the time worked in a uh, food service and she took me out for my fr first sushi, which is an entire experience all itself. You know, it's very, Mouthfeel. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, mm. and then, and then I, you know, I got into you know philosophy and art and all this and so as I got into cannabis first, but then I realized that cannabis was always um, adding to these other pleasurable phenomenon. And mm. so it kind of, it kind of melded together. I, I would not consider myself like an, an academic pleasure researcher, if you will, but I <laughs> did understand innately early on that, um, we could open up more doors of pleasure with uh, different tools that were available to us as as humans. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you use this term added on to other pleasures. So sometimes we think about, you know, getting high as a pleasure in and of itself. But for so many of us, it is that kind of um, the layering pleasure effect of a deep engagement with other sensual joys of ours. Um, and that often then becomes the social joy of getting high together, plus whatever it is you do, it's video games or music or touch. Um, how does that work in the body? Like what does cannabis do in the body that makes it feel so good? Well, I think a lot of people are attracted to cannabis because the normal can be supercharged. Mm. Mundane experience. <laughs> the normal can be supercharged. <laughs> you know, mundane life experience can, can be made more dynamic by changing my approach. And if I want to be very effective by changing my perspective of how I'm going to approach something, um, I can either smoke or eat a little cannabis and you know, it will, it will impact it. You know, one can change their approach in many ways, whether it be, you know, drugs or radical intention or changing the context of the experience. But for me, cannabis was the first way I found to change intention and context at the same time, you know, making the choice mm -hmm. to use cannabis intentionally to heighten pleasure inherently changes the experience itself because choosing pleasure always heightens it, right? Whether you're, whether you're stoned or not, choosing pleasure, embracing that intention. You've talked about that a lot in other shows about, you know, having communication with your partner in advance and, and kind of setting an intention, whether, whether it's going to be, you know, some kind of mystical bonding or a hot fuck, right? Like right. having, sharing that intention sets a context to it. And if both folks are sharing that, you know, the, the pleasure, like radically goes up, right? And when you mm, so add- I want to slow this down just a moment. So we were talking about intention, like kind of like the what and why of what you're doing, but then also your attention. And one of the things cannabis does is it kind of shifts our mundane daily experience into this 
heightened one just by the moment of ritual of getting the cannabis out, putting it in your pipe or bowl of choice, right? right. Um, that slowing down and focusing our attention then, as you said, opens the door to whatever pleasure comes next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, physical ri- physical ritual is really important like uh, uh, like that. And, um, you know, since we're recording the show when we are during a pandemic, it's actually yes. one of the things that we've lost greatly from the social interaction in the community around cannabis mm-hmm. smokers because we're not sharing joints anymore. We're not sharing pipes. You know, one of the most, I don't know, sacred things that I've experienced with cannabis is taking turns, packing a bowl and passing it around a circle of people. And, you know, this is not the time for that right now. And so it's very strange to go to, you know, um, say we were uh, here on Vashon Island where I live. Um, we just ended the the horticulture season on the island and we all kind of help each other take down our greenhouses for the year. Mm-hmm. And so we always have, you know, what are called safety checks where, you know, we get together and everybody has a puff. And it was very strange starting last year, but also this year, that instead of us all um, packing bowls and sharing what we had grown this year with each other, we yeah. all had brought our own devices and yeah. were, were smoking our own stuff and talking about it, but not, but not sharing the bowl. Like we might share the flower, but not the bowl. And that's a very different cultural experience. Mm-hmm. And how quickly those rituals within our subculture changed in response to the greater context of society. It happened like overnight, right? Yeah, it happened really yeah. quickly. And it's, it is it is sometimes interesting to run into places where they're still sharing bowls. And we're like, oh, this is a, now a, a cultural difference between, you know, sub subgroups of the community, you know? Mm. So back to that context when perhaps yeah. you're with your lover or even with yourself, like sinking into an evening of pleasure, because a lot of people I've been talking to as legalization happens, right? So this other context change where weed went from a subculture to kind of a more mainstream product legally available. Um, So a lot of people who have been smoking came out as smokers. A lot of people who hadn't partaked as much as they wanted to started to. Um, And so a lot of our listeners have talked about how to integrate it kind of into their solo pleasures, um, into their sex lives. Um, How do you recommend we really honor that moment of the context setting the ritual of welcoming this plant into our erotic lives? Hmm. Well, I'm going to answer this two ways. First of all, uh, your prior question about intention and experience, um, there's one more thing I wanted to add there because I'm about to build on it here. And Mm -hmm. and that is that, um, you know, after we uh, imbibe in cannabis in whatever way we do, um, cannabis, the plant, has got what are called cannabinoids in it. And they are a molecule that also uh, is naturally produced in our body. When they're produced in our body, they're called endocannabinoids. And when, when they're in their plant, they're called phytocannabinoids. And when we enjoy cannabis, um, we bathe our endocannabinoid system in these cannabinoids, which are essential mm-hmm. signaling molecules and they essentially are like a kid that runs around the house flipping on and off all these light switches and mm. and and it's exciting for the body and and essentially lights your endocannabinoid system up like a christmas tree and um and that creates the possibility of experiences that we don't normally get 
um, in mundane life because most of the time we are endocannabinoid deficient. Most most modern humans are not making enough cannabinoids for all the signaling that it bodies its body requires, which is why so many people take cannabis as medicine. Now, with that, to this this most recent question. Um, setting setting that context and I just want to honor for a second though that you know this plant exists that dances with our own systems in such harmony you know and there's other there's so many plants like this in the world that we don't really honor fully this kind of relationship between animals mammals humans and the plant system and the mushroom kingdom and so i just want to honor that for a second go ahead sure well it, it, to take that another step further um it's interesting how um we embrace our synergy with certain parts of nature and less with others for example mm. um it's very easy to go through and uh you know instagram or something and see people fawning over well fawns and dogs and cats and bunny rabbits and flying squirrels and you know things like that but then there are things like you know weasels and aardvark and you know <laughs> they, these 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 are parts of nature that if given the opportunity we're all like well I, I like aardvarks too those are cool but there are there are really certain parts of nature that humans more readily embrace and cannabis is absolutely one of them and we've been doing it you know since before recorded history no wonder we've got such a strong relationship to it. But then layered on top of that relationship, like the smear campaign, and this is a whole nother episode, so we'll just put this in brackets of like the politicalization of this plant, um, which has like a really racist history, a really capitalist history. Um, like this relationship with this plant was taken away from us um, and kind of preserved in these subcultures. But continuing on with our endocannabinoid systems um talk to us about as you said like that lighting up of our system so we imbibe this plan in any number of ways it lights up our system and then what what does it do to our feelings and our sensations like why does it translate into heightened pleasure for so many of us well, one of the interesting things to be sure to note off the top is that um you know everybody's cannabis experience is a bit different in the same ways that we're all attracted to individualized medicine because we don't want our doctor mm -hmm. to treat us the same as every other patient. Um, it, it is not helpful to think that we're all going to have the same experience with cannabis because, you know, cannabis are signaling cells that, that act as agonists or antagonists to the receptors. So they're turning some things on and some things off. And, and, and sometimes mm -hmm. for you, it may turn one thing on and for me, it might turn something else on. And while we really only talk about THC, yeah, right. And it, you know, even though we mostly just talk about THC, the part that gets us high, and now of course CBD is is super hip. But there's also lots of other stuff, which you know, like there's terpenes and lesser studied cannabinoids like CBG and CBN and CBC and cannaflavin and all these different items. And so, if you think about it, it's kind of like cannabis hands you this basket of turning switches on and off. And each one is individualized to each of us. And then it's also different from cannabis plant to cannabis plant. So there's all these variables. Mm -hmm. And you know, part of getting into relationship with cannabis is starting with small amounts and getting to know the baskets of cannabinoids that are most preferred to you. And so mm -hmm. um, it, it always frustrates me when 
I see memes on Instagram of of people talking about, you know, getting their new their friend who is new to cannabis just getting them blown out stoned. Like mm -hmm. that's such a disservice to somebody. Um, yeah. And it's it's it seems like just such a alpha male kind of BS way to treat somebody who you're saying is your friend, and therefore you'd be like in service to them, right? Trying to show them something really pleasant and good thing for them to learn and build on, and then they give them this experience that like could very well be traumatic first off. And so um, I think that it's like the parallels to sex are just so real, right? Like where's the seduction, the foreplay, the easing in, the specialization, right? All of that, mm. yeah, all of that. And I think it's because it's all, you know, both sex and cannabis are playing with the body's chemicals. And we're also playing with vulnerability and trust and, mm. um, and maybe taboo access too, right? Letting go. Why do some people experience um, so much paranoia? Like for a lot of us, it helps us relax, get into our bodies. And then some people experience some of the time, like a paranoia or an anxiousness. Um, is that kind of bringing out context and stuff in the body that's already there? Or is that a matter of terpenes? Or both? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. yes. And. <laughs> but the, 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 key, the key thing to know about this is that cannabis is biphasic, which means um, there, it's kind of like a, uh, a bell curve that there is, mm. there's too little of a particular cannabinoid in your body. Let's, let's use THC since that's the one everybody's most familiar with. So let's say that you smoke a little bit and, and you don't really get high and you don't really have decreased anxiety. You're just like, I think I need more. So, okay. So then you have a little bit more and then you get a little bit high and your anxiety decreases. That's wonderful. That's usually where you want to stop. But either because, you know, there's more joint left or it's being passed to you or you're familiar with this particular cannabis you're smoking, um, people will continue from there. And there's a certain point where cannabis goes from being anti-anxiety to suddenly be anxiety causing. You start moving from a euphoric expression to a to dysphoria and it starts to be a drag. And so um, cannabis is definitely not a pleasure creating machine where more is always better. It's the right amount. And of course, what does that mean? That means listening to your body. And the right amount for the right person, right? Like within my relationship with Charlotte, she's kind of a one hit wonder. She'll take one hit and start stretching and be high as a kite. Whereas I'll puff all night if given the choice and be wildly at home in that. And so the amount each of our system needs and can tolerate is really changeable and we need to pay attention to that and honor it like it we can also change other. it can also change during our own lifetimes too mm. um what we find are that people have got different uh, numbers of receptors in their body and mm. so if you have fewer receptors that means that your receptors will all get um activated and then it's going to take a while for them to process those molecules of cannabinoid and then they are available for another one which kind of naturally slows your rate of uptake of of ca the cannabis uh cannabinoids whereas if you've got just like you know bushes and bushes of THC receptors and and you smoke it, your your body just processes them all very quickly and suddenly you are very stoned in a very short period of time. And, you know, I go to a lot of, well, before COVID, I went to a lot of cannabis events and and 
because people know of me because of the podcast, you know, lots of people want to get high with me. And <laughs> most of the time I have to turn them down because a, you know, to a certain effect I'm at work. Right. And so I need to keep my game tight, but more importantly, most of these professional stoners can smoke a lot more than I can. And, uh, it's not something that I'm proud or not proud of. It's just the fact that I happen to probably have a whole bunch of cannabis receptors. And, um, you know, while I might not be a, a, a one hit wonder, you know, I, I'm usually pretty good with a half a joint and, and I'll, I'll leave it at that and come back to the joint later. And, um, and, and I probably, some of that also is that I tend to be pretty high anxiety. I run a little hot and, um, I know the biphasic effect of cannabis and I would always rather stop a little early and then stop a little late and then have um, a displeasurable experience because you know, as the theme of the show is I'm, I'm almost always looking for pleasure and not the displeasure. Mm. And I just want to name that, like all of this, what we're talking about kind of requires us to bring our attention back into our body, which is so much of what we talk about on the show is how do we practice paying attention to pleasure within our bodies? How do we focus our attention on sensation instead of getting into you know, all of the other places our mind can go in this world. Um, and so the invitation to really specialize your relationship with this plant, and you don't have to partake in it all to have a more pleasurable, easeful relationship, right? Um, a lot of us have a lot of misinformation about it. And so I invite you from even just being more informed to starting to partake in it, or if you're a longtime user like myself, to deepen your relationship with it. We are going to continue the conversation with Shangolos about pleasure and cannabis and share some of our favorite techniques for getting more intimate with cannabis and one another. Before we do, I want to give a big thanks and shout out to our sponsors for this episode. At likeakitten.com, they make it easy for you to gift yourself or your lover a beautiful box of pleasure tools at an incredible value. Right now for Valentine's Day, they're offering the Valentine's Day Couples Box, which is really a one-stop shop for a lovely range of erotic gifts that will turn on and titillate you and your partner this Valentine's Day. Or you can choose to design your own box and choose from different categories, curating your own collection just for yourself or for your lover. Whether you choose a ready-made box or you design your own, you get a great value delivered directly to your door in a gift-ready wrapped box, ready to open yourself or present to your lover this Valentine's Day or for any other special occasion. These boxes are already an incredible value, but if you visit likeakitten.com slash pleasure, you'll get an additional 20% off and free shipping. That's likeakitten.com slash pleasure, or use the code pleasure at checkout. Big thanks to likeakitten.com for sponsoring this episode and for curating such beautiful boxes of pleasure tools and toys. That's likeakitten.com slash pleasure. We are also thrilled to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, a partner we have already been working with as educators, and we are thrilled to share more with you about. 
At Beducated.com, you can find a wide range of educational videos and courses to guide you in your next erotic exploration. You'll find some pleasure mechanics resources there, and you'll also find courses and offerings from sex educators from around the world. We've partnered with Beducated.com because we believe everyone deserves access to incredible erotic education that inspires us and empowers us to take the next step in our explorations of pleasure, joy, and connection. As speaking of sex listeners, you can receive 65% off a yearly pass by going to Beducated.com and using the code PLEASURE. That's beducated.com, B-E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, beducated.com. Use the code pleasure. You will also find a link in the show notes, of course, for 65% off your yearly pass. So you can freely explore this incredible library of erotic education. That's beducated.com. Use the code pleasure and explore all that they have to offer at Beducated. Big thanks to Beducated for joining our team of sponsors and supporting the work we do here at Pleasure Mechanics. Cheers. Now back to the conversation with Shango Los of Shaping Fire. One of the things legalization has given us access to is a lot of different ways to consume cannabis and more and more ways of, you know, putting it in our holes from cannabis lube um, to tinctures to massage oils. What do you recommend in terms of like, how do we think of getting the cannabinoids into our system? Um, Does it matter how we use it? Sure. Well, (laughs) to use your term, let's go hole by hole. Um, (laughs) so, 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 so first of all, um, the mouth is where most people are thinking and, and, and so smoking of course is a well-worn pathway to cannabis and people have been smoking cannabis from the beginning. Um, it is very effective in that it, it takes the cannabinoids from the plant and moves it to the bloodstream and the brain really fast. Um, by the time that you are exhaling, the cannabinoids have already moved through the, 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 the lung walls and have found their way into the bloodstream and they are in your brain lickety split sometimes by the, by the time that you're done exhaling. Mm-hmm. And so when you smoke, that has got very particular attributes. Number one, you get a higher doser faster and, uh, and then the number two, you tend to have your peak at the front. You get really high at first, and then you'll spend the next 45 to 90 minutes slowly coming down, right? So it's it's kind of like, like a downhill uh, ski trip, right? Um, and, you know, that's good. And sometimes, say, for example, you just got home from work and your work is anxiety causing and you've had it with this day and you are ready to dissociate and and um, look at the, you know, the sunset or whatever. Well, you know, getting home and taking that bong rip will get you from work mind to evening mind very quickly. And, and that can be really helpful. However, there's Within other... an exhale sometimes. Yes, Within... yes exactly. What an amazing uh, portal. 
And yet some people that is, that isn't the right solution for them because, you know, maybe they have anxiety and they want to go up a little slowly, or maybe they've come home for work to family and mm -hmm. they want to get a little, you know, smoky fresh, but they, they don't really want to get blasted like quite that fast. And so, so there are other ways as well. So the, uh, the second use of the mouth then would be through edibles. And some people really enjoy eating edibles that are, um, you know, made as a food, whether it be a cookie or a gummy or a, you know, whatever, a bonbon or something. Um, but I generally encourage people to, um, to get their hands on some cannabis oil themselves or buy capsules. Because, you know, edibles are a lot of fun, um, but most of the time they come with uh, sugars and artificial ingredients that you may not really be all that attracted to. I mean, if you're making them yourself, that's great. You know, I'm a big fan of, of, of cannabis users being self-sufficient, but more or less, I really encourage people to consider just making their own little capsules because uh, you're able to take it and it will start to come on and, you know, somewhere between 20 and 45 minutes, depending on um, when you last ate and how much fats you have in your intestines. And, and then that will come on a little more slowly. It'll have a much, uh, different body experience more as a, as a muscle relaxant than mm -hmm. as the psychedelic effects that you can get from smoking when it all hits your brain whiz bang at once. <laughs> and, um, you've got a little bit more, um, time control. So if we were to, if we were to envision, uh, the smoking, like going up quick to the top of a ski hill and then, and then slowly skiing down it to sobriety with, with an edible, um, you're, you're going much more slowly up a hill and then down a hill. And, but that mm -hmm. might last, you know, you know, two hours, maybe three hours if you take enough. And, um, and it's a very different experience, which is one of the beautiful things about cannabis is that um, it can be different things for different people, um, just like pleasure. So, so there's there's the mouth, um, uh, and then uh, uh, you know suppositories are actually getting um, far more popular um, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, there are so many. Um, uh, physical ailments where the stomach or the intestines need to be skipped altogether for whatever mm. reason. Uh, and yet people are experiencing, um, you know, pain, discomfort, nausea, dysphoria, all these things. And so they do want cannabinoids in their system. So these, you know, there are, there are all sorts of really fancy ways to make, um, suppositories with cannabis and there's lots of recipes online, but you can also just use like a really boring cellulose capsule and, you know, up in there and, um, and, and the, so to the, be specific, as we do on this show, we're talking about for vaginal or anal use here. I'm, I'm speaking specifically for anal use here right now. Yeah. I uh -huh. forgot where I was. Sorry. I I'm used to, I'm used to doing the PG version <laughs> of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you, uh, um, it's interesting too how many patients it's interesting to see the people who are comfortable with you suggesting that they put something in their rectum versus uh -huh. people who are not. And, and, and like, you know, you see some of the people that are like, Oh yeah, I'm fine with that. And I'm like, yeah, we'd probably be friends, you know? <laughs> and well, just to name it, you know, so the throat and the anus are opposite ends of kind of the same tube. And so when you put something in your anus, it also has direct access to the bloodstream. 
um, and can get to your system pretty efficiently. And wonderfully, um, it skips the liver, right? And mm. and and going through the liver, uh, when when THC goes through the liver, it actually changes its chemical makeup, which means that you are actually experiencing a slightly different drug than when you smoke it or when you eat it. And um, for a lot of people, they really appreciate the the body feel of that experience. In a few episodes, I'll tell you all about it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 let, so let's talk about the vagina, right? And what we, about like massage? Okay, let's go to the well, vagina. And then I also want to go to the skin and like um, topical use. But so I'll be really clear. Yes. A as one who does not have a vagina um, and uh, I only can have so much of value to say about this, which, which makes me even more curious to hear what you're going to say. But here, here's my bit on that. Um, I have always uh, warned patients against using cannabis-infused lubes internally because, mm. um, you know, I, I, I recognize that, that cannabis can have a, a warming sensual effect on the outside, a kind of being used as a, as a, a, you know, vaginal topical, if you will. But, you know, I was always taught from high school forward that you're not supposed to be putting other oils in the vagina, right? That you're not supposed like, like it is a, a, a very efficient, biological place that takes care of its own pH, it cleans itself, all these, all this stuff. And mm. it, it, it's, it's not the healthiest I've always been taught to be adding hemp oil or coconut oil or whatever the, the, the lubricant is that's mixed with the cannabis. And so because of that, I don't want to be recommending things to people that I talk to that may cause them to have, um, you know, infections or anything. And so, so, you know, while using a cannabis lubricant topically, um, I don't see any reason why not. And it's a lot of fun. I generally caution people for, for using it internally, but, but I believe that you hold a different opinion. Mm, I so appreciate your care and concern for the vulva and the vagina, Shango. Thank you for looking out. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. A lot of heavy oils can be um, too heavy for internal use. But again, it's so personal. Um, some people love coconut oil all over their vulva and all up in their vagina, and it feels really hydrating and restorative, uh, where for someone else, it can feel too heavy and cause infection. Um, and so you want to tend to that and kind of figure out what works for you. Um, a lot of the cannabis infused lubes I've been using and experimenting with, like kind of as I travel around the country, I collect them all. Um, what I'll do is I'll use them more clitorally, like on the vulva, um, and then work a little bit of it internally. Um, and if I want to really get my pussy high, um, I'll use more of like a suppository approach. Um, and for a lot of folks I've been talking to who have um, endometriosis or uterine issues or fibroids, right? Um, some people, if they can really get their deep internal pelvis relaxed, sex becomes much more pleasurable. Um, where for other people, really kind of lighting up 
the clitoral region with stimulation. What I always laugh at is, you know, the products say, put three or four drops on the clitoris and rub in for five minutes, right? Um, So the application itself is exciting. Um, But for a lot of the products, there's a nice warming feeling. They have different herbal botanical blends. And so you can find one that your pussy really loves um, or that your genitals really respond well to. Um, As with all of the rest of this, it's such a choose your own adventure, right? And, and like, you know, the, I don't know, <laughs> like, like the sex toy world, I guess I'll just put, throw it all in one big basket. Mm. Um, there, there are lots of different approaches for lots of different people and cannabis is the same way. There's a lots of different approaches for lots of different right. people and for you on different nights or you with different people, you know, there are some people that I'll smoke with and there's some people that will mm. take something edible and will go do something. Um, one of the challenges with how a lot of people interpret cannabis is kind of like it's one size fits all. And that is absolutely not the case. And um, it, it disappoints me to see so much of that in the in the, you know, the, the commodification of cannabis, where it's like, well, to be a cool cannabis user, you have to use it like this. And like, that kind of gatekeeping is just not for me. Because, uh, you know, over the course of my gosh, 30 some years of using cannabis, I've used it every way. And I've realized that, that there, you know, I want to use it in different ways for, um, you know, different experiences at different times in my life. Well, and here's another parallel just to take it is, you know, there's this way that all of the equipment and all of the fancier and fancier ways of imbibing and shatters and rigs and all of these things, they come out at parties and in in a way they take away from the connection we can have with each other and with the plant. Just like, you know, having a fuck machine at a sex party is not always a benefit. Um, When we get too invested in being cooler than thou, (laughs) right, Mm -hmm. with our equipment and forget about the why of what we're trying to experience. Um, So that I think is a a real danger. As you say, the commodification of cannabis is a great kind of synopsis of what's what's happening on so many levels with how we're using this plant together. I've got a funny um, side story for you. You mentioned, me. <laughs> you, you mentioned, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, rigs and sex parties and all this kind of stuff and, and, and vocabulary in both of our disciplines is very important, right? How we, how we yes. use the words and the words we use. And I was at, I went to this gathering obviously before COVID and um, I was there a little early because I tend to be the early wave of people at parties, not usually the <laughs> last too. to leave. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and uh, I don't know if this is a geographic thing or whatever, but uh, I'm from Michigan and went to college in Indiana. And um, I first came across a, a, a strap on being called a rig. And so, mm. and so these, these gals who had strap-ons who I ran with when in the same posse, they would talk about whether or not they were bringing their rigs. And like, I, that's all I ever knew it as, right? I, did, I didn't know a lot of people. I was in Indiana for goodness sakes. And, um, and, and then, you know, eventually dabbing becomes popular a few years back and a, and a bong for dabbing is called a dab rig instead of a dab bong, right? Which would make a lot of sense, but they call it a dab rig. And so anyway, so I go to this party and, um, and you know, this party, the people are pretty self sexually sensual aware. And so I knew I was going to have a good time. Well, um, as we were kind of getting the started, the party started, the hostess, 
um, you know, kind of bopped over to me, a female, big smile. And she's all like, um, uh, well, we've got some time to kill before everybody else gets here. Do you want to see my rig? <laughs> yes. And like in that, in that moment, I'm all like, is she offering me a dab or is she offering to peg me? Like, like I'm not, I'm not really sure what this is. And in my head, I laughed and I just said, yeah. And you know, it, you know, it was a, it was a dab rig and, um, which probably would have been, you know, most appropriate for the moment. But, um, but it was, it's really funny how much vocabulary can, can seek back and forth between our, our different subcultures. It's, astounding. I mean, even like, you know, CBT being cock and ball torture and cognitive behavioral therapy gets me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> but with that, so how do we keep up, you know, with the explosion of cannabis culture, if you're new to it, or if you want to deepen your relationship, what are some of the ways you recommend kind of, kind of cultivating your relationship with this plan into a mindful one? You know, I don't want to get too, you know, wonky here, but like, how do we honor it more and kind of bypass all the branding bullshit? Yeah, well, there is there is very much a, a series of best practices, if you will, for mm. getting into better relationship with this plant. And, and so I'll give you a couple of them. So um, first of all, um, this is less um, directly educational and more vibrational. But if you can... Um, try to find yourself into a tour of a growing place, whether that, whether that's mm. a licensed place or, or your friend's bedroom grow or your, your other friends that are growing on their back deck this summer, like, like try to come in contact with the plant as a plant because um it it does it's remarkably effective at decreasing taboo feels about it the any feelings of disfamiliarity you may you may have a lot of people find that their 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 discomfort and anxiety tends to melt away more after they've mm -hmm. seen the plant as a plant and they're like oh it's not really scary at all it actually smells beautiful and i can touch it and i love the crystals on the flowers and there's all these different colors in the flowers and oh my goodness we'll put a link in the show notes page but your instagram feed does such a beautiful job bringing that to life and really honoring the beauty and the you know you have ladybugs and all sorts of i wish it was scratch and sniff oh me too well thank you everything and, but <laughs> I, I do carefully curate the instagram so that it is a pleasurable experience so anyway so thanks for plugging my instagram at uh shango los or at uh shaping fire so that's number one we have find, find a plant and hug the plant that's great so the yeah. second thing is is that <laughs> be aware of terpenes um, we've talked a bit about how the cannabinoids, the signaling molecules in the plant and in our body as endocannabinoids can flip these switches on and off. But terpenes, um, which is the aromatherapy of the plant, also are switching on different types of receptors on and off. And we can very quickly know and become aware of the power of terpenes if you think about the absolute delight for most people when you cut into a lemon or a lime or an orange and you smell straight up sunshine. And, mm -hmm. and it kind of like makes your heart grow in your chest and it kind of lifts you up a little bit. Maybe you stand with a little better posture. Um, it is, it is stimulating and it feels like sun. And that is the magic of a terpene. And there's, there's a wide range of them. Um, 
that cause the body to do different things from feel titillated and elated to feeling relaxed and muscle relaxed to you know causing appetite to causing hunger or, or causing you to feel sleepy and lethargic and then and then combinations of these terpenes can do other magical things and so um it is both a pleasure best practice, but also a cannabis best practice to do a little exploration, both in aromatherapy by just dropping, you know, um, essential oils into a diffuser and finding out what you like the smell of. But also when you buy your cannabis, either from your licensed store or from your local horticulturalist, um, you know, smell the different things and shop with your nose. This is actually mm. one of the challenges. Most states sell cannabis in sealed containers, but really mm -hmm. we learned what our body wants by our body's reaction to the cannabis smell. Our body knows mm -hmm. what it wants. And so I encourage folks to um, expand their vocabulary and awareness of terpenes, of aromatherapy, to learn what they like because um, you know, often you will have an option. Do you want the Do you want the cannabis that tastes smells more like lemons, or more like a grape Jolly Rancher candy, or like gasoline, or <laughs> like armpit? You know, like <laughs> people are attracted to different ones for for different reasons, but they all have got varying medicinal effects, and they are all absolutely justified and fabulous weed. Mm. And is it true that like the terpenes in lemony weed are the same as in the lemon itself? Sure. Yeah. Limonene's limonene, no matter how you get it. Um, uh, the key difference Amazing. is, is that when you get it in a plant, you're never just smelling limonene. You are mm -hmm. smelling limonene with probably five or six um, significant terpenes and then maybe another dozen you know, micro doses of terpenes, just tiny, tiny amounts to make this beautiful bouquet. Um, you know, I guess it's still kind of hot, but in the beginning of commercial cannabis, it was very popular for people to try to recreate the aromatherapy aspects of cannabis with, um, with food-based terpenes. So like, oh, let's pull this smell out of celery and let's pull this smell out of broccoli and let's pull this smell out of, a, <laughs> out of this flower and, and kind of like, you know, mix them, match them together in a lab to say, this kind of smells like this popular weed that everybody likes. <laughs> and like, let's put it in a vape pen, right? And, you know, mm. I'm, I've never been a really, I've never really been a fan of, uh, you know, Frankenstein kind of cannabis experiences. I'm much more interested in in the in the 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 original d design as nature intended. Um, but it was very popular for a while, and it just doesn't smell the same. But but back to the doing it yourself. This is part of the what we talked about earlier about people being um, self sufficient and knowing what they like. Sure, you can you can be a cannabis, you know like for, you can be a friend of cannabis and just smoke whatever gets handed to you. But if, if, if it's as you suggested, and, and we're talking about how people can get into a better relationship with cannabis, well, go find yourself a plant, then learn yourself a little bit about terpenes 
and then um, you know try a handful of different things uh, wherever you get your weed. And then the last one will be um, try some of these different methods, whether it be you know you know one kind or another of edibles. Do you prefer it in a joint or a bowl or a bong or a vaporizer? There's so many different methods to play with this plant that um, you know if you are going to have the intention to embrace it more fully. Um, there is there is a very simple, accessible to everybody set of best practices that you can do. And when you're done with it, not only will you be a you'll you'll get more pleasure from cannabis because you'll know what your favorite ways are, but you'll also be very, very cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um I want to go back to the caves where we throw the entire bush on the bonfire and tell stories and then, you know, slip away to the back of the cave in, in little trios and such. Um, As we get there together again, as a culture, how do we bring more ritual and intimacy to how we use the plant? Um, And because we are on speaking of sex right now, like, are there any ways that you really love or suggest people explore um, really just becoming more sensual with the plant itself and how we share smoke? Um, One of my first questions to you when we connected a few years ago was about the name of your podcast, Shaping Fire. Like, what does the act of sharing smoke itself mean to you? Well, it's no doubt that smoking many substances can be erotic in themselves, right? We've all seen these these movies of people in opium dens, you know, like laying back on mm-hmm. on pillows and smoking, and and you know, they, the movies are intentionally trying to illustrate the pleasurable, sensual nature of that. And and um, you know clearly there's oral stimulation involved in the the back and forth of to the mouth when you're smoking. And then, and then there's that wonderful mystique of 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 lovers or soon to be lovers looking at each other through a, whether it be a smoke filled room or or like you, you know those scenes in the movie or or in your own life where somebody takes the joint or the cigarette out of their mouth and they slowly exhale and you see their face and their eyes through the smoke and it's all like yum right well smoke has been a sensual thing for humans for a very long time and the the gentle repetition of the back to the mouth and the exhalation and um can become a really powerful aphrodisiac um it can be very aesthetically pleasing and uh we've been doing it for so long that we're all kind of encoded with it a little bit mm-hmm. um but there are a couple mm-hmm. techniques that I'll I'll share with your audience if they haven't already come across these. So so the first one, um, it's there are two different uh, techniques, but they have the same name, and it's too bad of a name because I don't care for the name. But it's called shotgunning, mm-hmm. and so there are two different things, two different techniques that are called shotgunning. The first one is um, uh, what many people have done before, where you go ahead and you you take a big hit off of whatever your device is. And then you turn to your friend, lover, comrade, whatever, and you just mm-hmm. either barely touch their lips or or don't touch their lips, which can be even more erotic, getting so close but not touching them. And then 
you exhale the smoke into their mouth and they are taking your exhalation. Clearly mm -hmm. it's um, very intimate and the, the, you know, you can, you can feel the arc of the energy between the lips and the faces and, and, and there's plenty of cannabinoids left in the exhaled smoke to get a second person high. And then there's this magical moment when, where you slowly pull back from each other and your, your field of view changes from like being really close and kind of just seeing their nose, if you will, to, as you, as you, as you move back their their entire face kind of rises like the sun in your vision at the same moment as you're exhaling and you're getting like increasingly baked and oh that's a hot moment and and um it is a really fun way for people who are kind of using cannabis as part of their ritual to move into lovemaking um to really kind of connect um uh connect their energies um, the, there's another way that is uh, also called shotgunning, which is uh, significantly more dangerous, but it's also a lot of fun and will make you very popular at parties. Um, so, so you want to do this. So you, so you, you've just lighted, lit, light, lit a joint and, um, uh, you don't want to do this right away. Let's say you want to let the first quarter of the joint burn down. So it's not quite as long. Well, you can take the joint and turn it around and put it in your mouth um, cherry first, so hot part first. So the hot part is in your mouth, which is why it's more dangerous. You can like burn your tongue. But, but hold it with your lips like you would a regular joint if the joint was faced out, but it's faced in your mouth. So what happens is you can exhale through your mouth, but what happens is you're pushing air through the joint and the smoke from the joint is actually coming out of the joint. And so you become kind of like this cannabis smoke fountain. It's like and, the take it version of the shotgun. <laughs> definitely. So you can get really close to somebody uh -huh. and, and you exhale a little bit and you start to exhale this stream. And again, it's really similarly wonderful for a couple. But like, you know, if you're at a if you're in kind of like a, a, a group group kind of situation, you can you can go to each of the people that you're feeling sensuous with and just like give little hits to everybody and just like go around and and you know, um, be a little dragon. Yeah, I love be it. a little dragon. And and like when you flip a joint around in your mouth, like everybody, like everybody in the rooms are like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And the people who have never seen it before are like, oh my gosh, that like looks so dangerous. And and really, it, you know, if you practice it once or twice, it's you'll have no problem with it. But um, but it's a, it's a real win. So so those two are both ritualized techniques to increase the sensual experience of smoking mm. with another. So let's also talk about the sharing of tools, right? So um, we've already hit on this a little bit, but like the passing of a joint is a community ritual. Um, mm -hmm. We know, you know, going all the way back to the eighties, you know, pass the duchy on the left hand side, right? There, <laughs> there are, there are rules in family about, about how to pass. And, yeah. you know, depending on where you are in the country, some people believe that the, the person who packs the bowl is the first person to hit it. Or like where I'm from, the person who packs the bowl passes it to the person on the left who gets the green hit, which is a, 
um, premium hit. And then, and then you get it at the end. And the idea kind of behind it is that you're in service to your group and also it's your weed. And so you mm. know what the green tastes like. So if you get the less mm. green hit when it gets back to you, well, you, you, you've already, you already know your weed. And then, and then when the next person in the circle passes it at some point you will be getting two or three green hits as as it works its way around the group and um you know it makes for it's community more, right there yeah it's more meaningful mm-hmm. um and you know and just, i just want to name these the moments of connection and how we can draw them out in all these different ways right like passing a joint can be a really friendly act it can be a really tender act right if your friend is grieving um it can be really flirtatious and how you let your fingers touch as you pass that joint can be that first moment of touch in the evening right and so if we slow this down and really honor it for what it is we get to play I agree. I'd like to go back to the the, the pipe yeah. rituals, if we could. Yes, yes. Please. So I it's I I want to say this one thing about um, expensive pipes, because um, <laughs> you know many of us, maybe even all of us, we like the expensive things of the things that we are most into, and we mm. might not always be able to afford them. And glass pipes, especially like you know really heady functional glass pipes that are hand blown, you know, they can, you know, you, you can get a little glass pipe for three bucks and you can also get one for $8,000. Right. <laughs> and, and I, I want to just make sure that it's on people's minds that mm-hmm. a, a, a cannabis ritual device for smoking does not have to be expensive. It just needs to be charged with your intention. Um, one of the most important pipes I've ever had in my life was this little piece of crap wooden pipe that mm. I had in college. And it was like $10. There was nothing to it, but it had a little lid on it with, and in one corner, there was a little screw on it. And so you could slide the lid back and forth, right? And so it, it obviously got the name Travel Bowl, right? It was the Travel Bowl. And, and, over time, um, you know, from from going on road trips with friends, from like getting in groups and all taking mushrooms in the forest, from, you know, using it to learn how to smoke pot watching The Simpsons the first season, mm-hmm. this, this wooden little cheapy pipe traveled with us everywhere and it eventually took on the oils from our hands and the geometric corners got worn down mm. and I had to replace the little uh, the little screw that hold held the lid open but this this little insignificantly priced pipe became like this ancient tool that my posse used at the time we all knew it we all packed it and it's what we used all the time and so there was not financial value to it but it held a great deal of meaning and um and don't let people tell you what your ritual tools need to be to be justified they can be whatever you and your loved ones deem them to be 
Yes. And the meaning making is yours to make. Yes. Very well said. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And that's kind of a nudge to how this plant can kind of bring some more ceremony and ritual we've been talking about. And I dare say even magic into our lives. Um, is there anything you want to close with after this rich conversation? Thank you for all of this, by the way. Sure. Um, I want to point out the gifting of flowers. You know, mm. the gifting of flowers has always been um, a way for humans to express um, affection. Um, and, you know, there are there are certain rituals around flowers that are for family, and there's certain ones that are for grieving, and there's certain ones that are for celebration of graduation. And then there's also, of course, giving flowers for, you know, wooing and courtship and all that kind of stuff. And cannabis is a flower. And, mm. um, and it's not necessarily an inexpensive thing. And so, you know, consider the idea of giving flowers to people as a gift because, um, you know, so long as the person isn't categorically against cannabis for some reason, it's going to be a consumable gift that they are going to be delighted to receive. And um, very often it is a gift that you can give them that suggests you want to spend more time with them in the future because, mm. you know, perhaps you're going to smoke these together. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think that tying in the truth that cannabis are is flowers into, um, you know, the whole lineage of human courtship, um, I think there's value in that. Mm. That's beautiful, Shango. Thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure. You know, it was interesting when when I don't know if you were you're kidding or not when you uh, when you wrote to me and you said, you know, oh, and you can finish up with a benediction, and I'm all like, whoa, she just, you know, I, I was brought up Catholic, and while I'm not anymore, you know, benediction is is close to my personal sense of mysticism, and so. Uh, May I, I ask you for a benediction? Yeah, Chandler? yeah, yeah. I have I have these two lines that I wrote just for this moment. So there. Are, may your days be meaningful, and may your ears be full of song. Hmm. Shango Los of the Shaping Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on Speaking of Sex. Thanks so much for having me. Big thanks to Shango Los of shapingfire.com for joining us for this episode. You'll find tons of links and resources in the show notes for this episode at pleasuremechanics.com. And we will see you next week for another episode of Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris from pleasuremechanics.com, wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. Cheers. <laughs>